everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Connects Podcast. I'm Steven Onzo, your host, and my next guest is RTI's CTO, as well as co-chair of the Technical Special Interest Group at the Object Management Group, who are publishers of the family of DDS standards. I'd like to welcome Gerardo Pardo. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Um, well, today's topic is time-sensitive networking, TSN for short. And I thought it'd be a good topic because there's a lot of research going on around TSN right now. So I thought we'd just start with the mere basics. Can you briefly tell me what time-sensitive networking is? Okay, well, the first thing to understand is like time-sensitive network is a new standard, basically. It's coming up from the IEEE. Uh, which is one of the, the same uh, standards body that creates things like the wireless, Wi-Fi class of standards that we all use when use our routers, for example, or the Ethernet type of standard that we use when we connect to a wired network. So the idea is that it's sort of an evolution of the Ethernet technology, um, which is, again, the networking hardware that you use to connect your, net to your, your, your laptops to the, to the network, the, the hardwired one, not the Wi-Fi one. And in this evolution, they are intending to address uh, real-time uh, networking, the ability to send data uh, with bounded times, bounded latencies, uh, what's called deterministic sort of traffic. And this has a broad base of applications, but there's a lot of domains where this is important. So this essentially would allow this technology that has been very successful is very widely deployed to be utilized in a set of new applications that before couldn't use uh, Ethernet. They had to use some more dedicated networks. So the importance, I guess you can look at it from many different points of view. I mean, some people are looking at it just from the simplicity point of view, saying, well, before, because uh, we couldn't use the regular Ethernet for real-time traffic, we had to have two or three different networks, like one network dedicated for the machine control traffic, one network maybe for the video traffic, one network for the uh, more like you know, file transfer, uh, you know, supervisory traffic. So you ended up with a single system that had three networks, which means like three uh, network access points, routers, switches, much more complex, much more, much more expensive, right? Much more brittle, something breaks. Complicated to deploy in terms of cabling and so forth. In, in automotive, for example, or in, or in avionics, uh, the length of cable is already very, very expensive. The layout of the cable, because they are kind of space-constrained type of environment. So that added a lot of complexity. So the idea was, well, if you could carry all classes of traffic on a single network, like Ethernet, then all of a sudden you remove all that complexity. But there is also the cost aspect because uh, Ethernet being so popular, meaning it has such a big market, a lot of providers are, are selling this, so that kind of drives the cost down. And again, uh, what people are doing today, they're using these dedicated networks for real-time traffic that come that are market-specific. The markets are not so big, so the costs are much higher. And thirdly, some other people are looking at it from the point of view of the performance. Again, being such a big market drives a lot of investment. Those investments result on people spending more effort and coming up with faster and more capable networks. So now you look at the technology for Ethernet, we're looking at 10 gigabit Ethernet or 1 gigabit Ethernet being pretty commodity priced. On the other hand, if you look at the real-time networks, they're still stuck on the 100 megabits per second or lower bandwidth because they haven't been able to evolve so fast because the market force hasn't been so big. So, so some people are looking at it just from the point of view of getting better performance for their, for their uh, real-time applications. So all of them are kind of 
all interrelated, but I would just say to sum it up, it's performance, it's cost, and it's kind of deployment simplicity. Right. It certainly seems like there's a demand for it in certain situations. Yes, it turns out, you know, the original driver for this TSN came from the audio and video community. And I think what they wanted to do, they were looking at sort of home type deployments where you've got multiple speakers around the house thinking like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we could use a regular Ethernet that people are laying up on their network to also carry the uh, audio signal. But of course, audio signal is much higher bandwidth than some other signal. And it has to be well synchronized across different speakers because otherwise it will just distort the stereo. It won't sound right and depends on the length of the cable and where the speaker is located. So this required, you know, sort of real time uh, and, you know, deterministic traffic. So that they were a big driver. But when that started evolving, a lot of other industries came and said, hey, we're also having the same problem, right? So like automotive, for example, is a big uh, user of network technologies inside the car. And now they are going to autonomous systems where the demands are much bigger. Now they're driving LiDAR images, video images, multiple cameras in the car, doing sensor fusion at the same time that they are doing real time sort of driving, steering, you know, braking. So all those classes of traffic are now uh, inside a car. Rather than using multiple networks, multiple wires, you can converge them all into a single uh, real-time, time-sensitive network. And there is similar to this, there's like machine control, there is robotics, there is, uh, you know, in general, uh, very, this kind of complex applications or applications that are running on a control loop, also in energy, for example, uh, anything that has to sort of run a closed loop, uh, periodic execution cycle, you know, 100 hertz, 100 times per second or so, really needs some very deterministic networking and, and TSN answers that. So all these people are now saying, hey, you know, if this thing is going to be commoditized and it's going to be there, we're interested, we want to use it. So you have your software, which is DDS running, and then into the TSN, the hardware. How come they complement each other so well? well okay. Well, uh, you kind of said it in your question. Like, uh, so TSN is really, you can, you can think of it as, as a low-level uh, technology, not in a negative sense, but rather saying where it sits on the stack, right? So you start with the hardware. So yes, TSN is a lot about the hardware. You know, what are those switches look like? What is the network interface devices that you connect in your computer look like? They're going to use the, the same cabling, the regular Ethernet cables, but the actual uh, network interface, the NICs that are in your computer and the switches have to be so-called TSN enabled. So they're going to have different hardware that allows them to segregate and uh, watch different kinds of traffic and, and do kind of differential routing based on the kind of traffic. And there's, of course, some software around that as well, you know, how to schedule these things, how to identify the different things. But it's so-called layer two software, uh, meaning like in the network stack, it sits below the TCP IP stack, which is level three and level four. Now, when you look at what DDS is, DDS is a connectivity framework. So it's really a way for applications to communicate with each other and integrate. So it's really a software technology that sits very close to the application, where the application is actually talking about streams at the high level, like we call them topics in DDS, you know, LiDAR image, uh, speed, you know, command, uh, pressure, you know, power level, right? And it's about applications discovering where other applications on the network are and being able to send information in a structured manner that different applications understand. Now, of course, something like DDS needs to run on some top of some transport on top of some hardware, right? And that's what TSM provides. So, of course, DDS could run on top of some other things. It can run on top of shared memory or it could run on top of regular Ethernet or regular TCP IP UDP networks, but it can also run on top of TSN-enabled networks. So for DDS, 
is one more transport, but it's a transport that is actually able to meet the sort of deterministic and performance needs of a lot of the DDS applications, right? So from the point of DDS, it's a very good transport to have uh, as opposed to some of the other transports that cannot really meet the deterministic and quality of, quality of service needs of the applications. Now, if you look from the point of view of TSN, well, TSN gives you the, this great technology, but it's at a low level, right? An application cannot really use TSN directly because an application communicates about data types, doesn't communicate about, you know, flows and, and bits and bytes, you know, it, it needs some kind of higher level mechanism to do that. So it needs some abstraction layer, but this abstraction layer has to give the application the capability to uh, specify what kind of real-time requirements it has. And DDS has those characteristics built into it. It has this whole concept of quality of service where you can specify things like what flows need to be reliable, what flows need to be best efforts, what are the latency budgets, what are the deadlines. So it has all this information about what the quality of the information and the quality of the flow should be in a language that is much more natural for the application. So for somebody that is providing TSN, it gives those providers a very good mechanism to expose the capabilities of that technology to an application so that that application doesn't have to go down and talk about you know low-level concepts and program about VLAN tags and Ethernet frames and, and deal with these things that are very unnatural and people would never actually do. So anybody that uses TSN is going to have to use some software layer at the high level and among the different software layers that you could choose, TSN, uh, DDS sorry, seems like the best one because it, it really maps and it's also targeting the very same class of applications. If you look at where DDS is deployed, it's in those same kind of robotic systems, autonomous systems, energy systems. So, so there's a natural fit, both in terms of what they are trying to provide to the application, which target domains uh, are being addressed by these technologies. DDS and TSN is still in the early stages. This is a technology that's still evolving, but is there a scenario you could think of that would highlight how it will be used? DDS and TSN. Well, DDS has been around for a long time, right? So that's not a new technology itself. TSN is pretty new. So TSN itself is still not widely deployed. So there, there's hardware already that you can procure that, that does TSN. And there are some people that have built some prototype applications with TSN, but I don't think you can buy right now, you know, a machine or something like that that is already running deployed using TSN. Now, because of that, the combination of DDS and TSN is also new. And, um, but we're working with the object management group, which is the organization that is standardized DDS on what is called the DDS TSN specification, which will be a standard that defines how DDS applications would run on top of TSN transport, right? And the idea here would be that uh, because there's multiple implementations of DDS and of course also multiple implementations of TSN, we want to be able to essentially pick and choose and say, well, your application is built with this uh, implementation of DDS, maybe from RTI, or this other application is built from an open source implementation of DDS from a different provider, and is running on top of this network component, this switch from this provider, and all those things have to interoperate and work together. So in order to all those things work well together, you need some kind of common framework, common understanding, common ways in which the DDS quality of service is going to map to the TSN quality of service or deployment configuration. So that's what this standard is addressing. You touched on this a little bit earlier. DDS and TSN complement each other in a way that's going to help distributed systems with performance. But are there any other benefits of DDS and TSN working together aside from performance? Well, performance 
if you understand performance narrowly as latency and throughput, yes, there's a lot of other benefits, right? The benefit of uh, determinism. I think people looking for TSN are mostly interested in determinism rather than raw performance, being the ability to guarantee that this traffic will not be delayed because this is like sensitive traffic um, that maybe is doing the control of your autonomous vehicle and making the decision of whether you should brake or not or steer right or left. And that cannot be delayed because if that's delayed, then the decision and the action will come late and then you'll run over, you know, a pedestrian or you'll go off the curb or something like that. So, so you don't want that to happen. So there is definitely the benefit of determinism. And then there is also the benefit of uh, essentially having a common framework that uh, works from the high level to the low level, right? As opposed to having to put together different technologies. Now you have something that works well together and gives you that, that uh, unified uh, programming environment that allows all the applications to, to work together. And, uh, you know, the benefits of being a standard, right? Because if you, uh, yes, you could use something else other than TSN underneath, but then you're building on some proprietary technology from some vendor. Even if you run DDS on top and you run on top of some custom networking hardware, well, that thing is, is not going to be so interoperable. You're going to depend on a single vendor. And likewise, you could run TSN, but if you run a custom software framework on top, you're not going to be able to leverage the ecosystem of, of other providers and other vendors. So, so, so having those things working together has all these benefits uh, of them separately, and plus the benefit of, of the coordination between the two technologies. You mentioned automotive as being one of the industries that would see benefits from DDS and TSN. Are there any other industries that could advantage from this as well? Well, I think in general, we're going to discover what those are to a large extent, right? But the, the ones that are primarily coming out now are the, are the industries that were already solving the problem in a different way. And now they're like realizing, um, hey, we can do this in a much more effect, cost-effective manner, right? And these are machine control in general. Uh, like I said, things that have to operate in a, in a continuous loop. So you can think of, you know, a multi-axis machine. That would be a machine that has multiple motors. These motors have to do uh, operating coordination. Let's say you are like trying to do a cut and this cut, you know, is a, is a cut along a curve. Well, there's going to be like, maybe this is an XY type motor where one motor is controlling the X axis and the other motor is controlling the Y axis. And then by coordinating those two motors, then you're creating a shape. Well, if those motors are not well coordinated, instead of getting a shape being a perfect circle, you'll have a shape that looks more like an ellipse or will have little ripples, right? And so there's a lot of uh, equipment in this nature. Like right now there is 3D printing, for example, is very popular. All these things that record coordinate between different devices, and these devices sometimes have to be in different, uh, in different computers that are controlled by different machines. You have two robots working together towards something. Again, they have a coordinated motion. Or you have different parts of a car working together. Or you have things like sensor fusion. Like, for example, you've got a camera image from, from one camera and a camera image from a different camera and a radar image and a LiDAR image. And those things are all taken from the same real uh, perspective but they're coming from different sensors and now you need to correlate them and in order to correlate them timing becomes very important right so that you are fusing the right image from the lidar with the right image from the camera and not an image that you took now with an image that was like one millisecond later from the other one because now you're going to get some lack of correspondence it will be like out of focus from a camera you can imagine what happens when your when your camera is out of focus those things you don't get the same resolution you get a small errors right so all this kind of 
uh, situations where you are dealing with multiple devices that have to operate uh, in a coordinated fashion are going to benefit from that. And, I, and then you go back and say, well, what are those industries? You know, well, we know machine control, we know autonomous vehicles, sensor fusion, robotics, audio and video. But guess what? You know, as this technology becomes available, a lot of people are going to start saying, wait a minute, you know, I can also use that. Or may, maybe we're going to create an application that was not possible before because we didn't have this facility. But now that we have this facility, this application becomes possible. So new things that we haven't thought about are going to become enabled when this technology is, is readily available. I understand there's a proposal for the object management group to give DDS with TSN its very own standard. Can you tell us a little bit about that and when we can expect for it to be released? Right, so I mentioned uh, a little bit before what this was about, the idea of allowing you know, uh, TDS implementation from multiple vendors and TSN implementations from multiple vendors to be configured in the same way so that a common tool chain can be developed or a tool chain from one vendor can operate on hardware or on software from other vendors, right? Uh, right now, this standard, which has been on the world for the last two years, uh, is now what is calling the revised revise submission. So there's already sort of a, 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 a draft standard on the table that has been out uh, for a couple of months now. People have had a chance to review it. And we're kind of closing into the final submission in December. So the expectation is that in December we will have the final submission. And if that submission is approved, which is you know quite likely based on the feedback that we've gotten in the previous submissions, then it would become a standard, uh, what is called a beta standard. And over the next year, we will be essentially uh, creating prototypes, getting people out there to use it and provide feedback so that one year later, we will have what's called a finalized standard. So, um, so basically, we will have sort of a beta standard sometime next year. And then uh, one shortly after that, by the end of 2020, we expect to have a, a version 1.0 finally available standard. That doesn't mean that it won't, that vendors can, once the document is approved, you know, vendors are going to start working towards this document. And um, unlikely, you know, oftentimes there is very little changes between the final version and the beta. It just depends, uh, you know, how, how well it was written and how well it meets the requirements once people actually try to to deploy it, um, multiple vendors try to deploy it. Now, we have already been working on this. Uh, we're sort of one of the main authors of this standard, or this draft standard, I should say, and um, and we haven't been doing this on the vacuum, right? So we're working with TSM providers and with end users, and they've been giving us feedback on this specification, and we are creating a prototype that we're going to be demoing uh, later this year, um, before December, and then, um, so, so we have a pretty good idea that what we're specifying in the standard is based on uh, something that is implementable that, that, that meets the requirements of at least the classes of applications that we've evaluated. I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, Gerardo, thanks for coming onto the podcast. I really hope you'll come back and talk more about future technologies that are in the works. 